Oh my stars, I am so thrilled you're here. My name is Kai Graham and welcome to another episode in my podcast, The Parent and Teen Toolbox, which is designed to equip parents and teenagers with the tools for navigating adolescence. I've been in the trenches of parenting and now I'm on a mission to help parents support their teenagers so that together we can build a mentally healthier and happier generation of young people. Each week you will receive learnings and takeaways that will help you tackle the challenges and the oh shit moments that are often associated with parenting tweens and teens. I have your back and I'm glad you're here. Hello, my loves, and how the devil are you? Um, episode 97, who'd have thought? And do you know what? I'm. It's it's very remiss of me that this, it has taken so long for me to um, come up with this episode, which is all about eating disorders, really. Um, the I have seen such a huge increase in parents wanting support, in young kids wanting to wanting to be supported, um, with various eating disorders, and um, I suddenly realised I don't think I've done a podcast episode about it. So I am rectifying that today. Um, I just want to say that on the back of this, there's a fairly comprehensive um, handout that I would like to offer you as well. So if you go to kygram.com forward slash ed ed for eating disorder obviously um you can get um a, a sort of a parent's guide to um eating disorders so i just wanted to sort of throw that out straight away but you know you're you're listening to this um thank you um because possibly you're concerned about your child's relationship with food um i think i'm finding that my experience is that there is so much going on for young kids at the minute, for young people. Um, there is so much uncertainty. There, even though we're sort of coming out of COVID, sort of you know, two years later, um, there's so much uncertainty, which is causing our kids a lot of grief. Um, I think the thing is, is that many of them are landed in the fight or flight sort of frame of mind a lot. Um, and it's understandable because we are changing the rules, we're changing the um, restrictions, we're changing the guidelines the whole time. And our mind doesn't like change. Um, and so what's happening is our young people are, dare I say it, re resorting to coping mechanisms that give them a degree of control um, and and one of those coping mechanisms can indeed be an eating disorder. Um, it sounds bonkers, doesn't it? But that's the way it works. So perhaps they have an obsession with controlling um, their intake of food and it's sort of affecting, I was going to say it's affecting their everyday life. I tell you what, it has a huge impact on the whole of the family. And the thing is, is that first of all, you know, you might not spot the subtleties and the nuances and the signs. Um, and it's only after a matter of time that you sort of start joining the dots and go, oh, hang on a minute. I don't think this is quite right. It's not a phase. It's not a diet gone wrong. And suddenly this change in behavior is 
potentially turning into an obsession. I think probably the problem arises really when our kids see the eating disorder as the solution as opposed to the problem. And if we are not um if we're if we're not au fait with what's going on a, a, a lot of the times for parents do say to me oh well, it's a phase or you know they don't like this sort of food and it's just got a little bit out of hand believe me this is nothing to do with food really um an eating disorder is a mental illness it's not just a, a, a choice that your child has made you know that they are no longer going to eat carbs or they are no longer you know it yes it is a choice, but it is it is way, way deeper than that. The factors behind a mental illness are really very complex indeed. So let, let's just backtrack a bit. Um, does any of this sound familiar to you? Um, that your child won't eat the meals that you've cooked for them? And I don't just mean the oh god a lasagna again oh i'm getting bored with that because i mean i had that with my kids i, I sort of you know my, my son uh, the joke was on me now but you know when he was younger wouldn't touch a vegetable but for whatever reason he loved chicken and broccoli bake well i subjected my kids to that so often that my daughter just sort of, i'm not eating that again we've had it sort of you know every week since christendom and and so i don't just mean that they're not eating the stuff because they're being rc teenagers i mean they aren't eating your the meals that you provide for them because they don't trust you because they think they're too fattening because they think that you might have substituted sort of you know high fat stuff like cream in them because you're suddenly realizing that maybe they are um, sort of watching their weight a little bit too much and that you are surreptitiously sort of, you know, putting putting the wrong foods into um, a meal. So it, it's not just the fussy eating of, you know, trying to hide a carrot or something in, in the bolognese. I mean that they are, they are highly tuned in to the fact that they don't like you, the fact that you are providing a meal with, dare I say it, in air quotes, bad foods um are they avoiding eating with other people are you hearing that oh no no, no you're okay um now i've eaten already or i ate at school or now i'm going out with my friends later and i'll eat then are they avoiding eating with the family or friends or you know isolating themselves from the table do they insist on, and this is for the older teenagers, um, well, not always older, but for, for the, the sort of, not the young ones, I mean, do they insist on preparing their own meals? Because that I know, you know, sort of listening to clients and, and from my own experiences, that causes an absolute battleground because, um, yes, it's all about control, but it can, it can, um, you know, it causes uh, a disparity. It causes a, a, a split between, um, you know, sort of you trying to help them, you trying to give them the meals that they need. And, and it's a great way of isolating themselves. And this is how they focus so much more on 
the calories and the right and the wrong foods that they are eating. And maybe this does lead to more arguments at mealtimes. You know, well, she just blimmin' well eat what we're all eating or why are you being so sensitive? But uh, the thing is, is that if we remember that it's not about the food, if we remember that there are behavioural and psychological issues at stake, then it, it, it allows us as parents to maybe take the foot off the pedal a tiny bit and to... Um, approach this situation with a tiny bit more empathy. Um, maybe just sort of have a look. Maybe your child is weighing themselves a lot more. Maybe your child is constantly checking their sort of body or they, you know, commenting on my legs are to this or my bum's to that or, you know, whatever it is. Are you noticing just a change in the behavior what's, what the, that's sort of going on? Because really what's happening here is that your child is using food to cope with difficult situations in their life. And it goes back to the being fight or flight. It goes back to the them not having control about what's going on in their external world. So they are trying to control what, you know, sort of stuff a lot closer to home. Um, maybe they're trying to mask their feelings. You know, what's going on here? Because once you manage to um, get a better understanding, and we'll talk about that later, it'll help you and your child to move forward a little bit. So let's go back to basics. I mean, to you know, what is an eating disorder? Well, according to the National Eating Disorders um, sort of website, an eating disorder is a serious, potentially life-threatening condition that affects a person's emotional and physical health. Now, it is not a fad and it is not a phase. Eating disorders are real. They are complex. They have devastating conditions that can have serious consequences, not only for health, but for productivity. And if you are with a child who has an eating disorder, you will know that it has a knock-on effect on relationships as well. So there are a number of eating disorders, but the, the most recognisable ones are anorexia, anorexia nervosa, um, bulimia nervosa, binge eating disorders, and atypical beating, but atypical eating disorders. So, someone struggling or you know, sort of suffering from anorexia, they have an irrational fear of gaining weight. They often have a distorted body image, which is typical across most eating disorder sufferers, where they actually think that they, in this case, they think that they are fatter than they really are. So in an effort to lose weight, they restrict their food and they often starve themselves. Um, anorexics sometimes display purging behaviours, and we'll talk about that, really to counteract the calories that they have already consumed. Um, and typically anorexics are very much underweight. People with bulimia tend to get trapped in a binge and purge cycle. Um, and it's it's a never-ending cycle. And they usually consume large amounts of food all in one go. And it's foods that sort of are, in air quotes, bad. Um, you know, sort of fattening foods, usually high carb, high sugar, high fat. Um, but then what happens is that um, the person then purges the calories either by making themselves sick um, or using um, laxatives excessively or 
doing a heck of a lot of exercise, all to get rid of the calories that they have just ingested. Not all bulimics lose a lot of weight. They can sort of maintain, dare I say, a normal looking um, sort of body weight. And so this might be quite hard to spot. Now, someone with a binge eating disorder so does the first bit, but not the second. So they tend to binge high amounts of foods that they seek comfort in, but they don't do the purging afterwards. So as a result, there is a tendency towards obesity here. There are um, other atypical eating disorders. So eating disorders not otherwise specified where the person um, is likely to split to display many of the symptoms and behaviors, um, but might not, for whatever reason, fall into a cat the, the one of the categories um, above. The thing is with eating disorders is that they are deadly. And the silence around them is even more so. And because there's silence, there is secrecy a lot to do with the shame and the guilt that um, those with eating disorders have. So the question is, is what on earth do we look out for? Well, as I mentioned, sort of behavioral changes is fairly important, but there are, there are sort of, you know, a few other signs. Watch out for the very quick weight loss. Um, you know, that that's always a giveaway. But there are other sort of, you know, sort of behavioral changes. Is your child sort of cutting out sort of certain food groups? Now, to, to cut out carbs is, you know, sort of very common, but it's really hard for the body to um, sort of, you know, maintain that level of sort of full functionality if, if, if the body is only being sort of fed um, proteins and sort of, you know, good fats. So just sort of have a, a, a watch out and sort of see if suddenly certain sort of food groups are being sort of um, kept out of the diet. There is also, as I mentioned earlier, a lot of secrecy um, over food. It's being sort of hidden. It's not being eaten. Um, meals are with the, the, you know, pretending to have meals. Watch out for kids um, disappearing straight after meals. Oh, I'm just just a way to go and do my homework because potentially they might be sort of disappearing to purge to make themselves sick. Um, many kids um, are wearing baggy clothes to cover up their bodies. So you can, you know in winter it's it's quite easy for them to sort of hide under sort of baggy clothes. So it's harder to see. Um, the weight loss. I, I see, you know, many of my clients who, especially who are anorexic, are dressing up in sort of really baggy clothes to hide the fact of how thin they are. Not only that, also to keep themselves warm because the body is beginning to shut down and, and you know, the blood's not pumping and there's less fat to keep them warm. So, you know, that's another factor. Um, but because of this secrecy and because of the need to be left alone and, you know, whatever, kids are self-isolating a lot. They are keeping themselves to themselves. And um, it's all this sort of stuff that we need to look out for, um, you know, to, to see has there been a change in what's going on. Um, food might be disappearing. You know, you sort of suddenly find, find that, oh, hang on a minute, that sort of, you know, sort of bumper pack of crisps has gone from 15 packs to two what on earth's going on here um or maybe you know just watch out for so one of my clients so recently sort of said that um 
all of this started when um, lockdown started and they were allowed to, sort of, you know, you're only allowed to go out for exercise. Do you remember that? Um, and she started running with her dad and it was the tipping point in the fact that it was the only thing that she could do and she could control and she was allowed out. She said she didn't even like running, but it was her way of sort of trying to keep fit and then everything got skewed, her judgment got skewed and she continued along this sort of, you know, the, uh, ex the excessive exercising sort of regime. So what are the physical symptoms? Okay, well, changes in weight. Um, you know, that's that's a big giveaway. But um, stomach pains and digestive issues um, are, are, you know, sort of a telltale sign. Um, do you know, I mean, when, when, when these, when the eating disorders get um, serious, you know, it, it, we, we are talking about organ failure. We are talking about missed periods and um, sterility. We are talking about fatalities but let's pull that back a tiny bit and and the sort of the short term um sort of issues are constipation because basically the body is slowing down so much um and it's trying to hang on to any piece of goodness that it's got um sensitive and damaged teeth because of especially with um kids that are purging the acid from the stomach juices are t stripping the enamel on the teeth and um that you know that has not only to, to to the teeth it also affects oral health as well so there's bad breath um the stomach acid coming up and down this the esophagus is going to cause um corrosion or and and pain there so you know that's worth sort of looking out for there is also exhaustion and lethargy because again the system is your the, the body is trying to maintain as much energy as it can so it, it's it's um a lot of the a lot of the sort of uh body sort of um processes it's trying to sort of feed the internal organs and so you know the, there could be lack of clarity there could be confusion um but exhaustion and, and tiredness as well. So watch out to see if your child is blimmin' knackered the whole time. Um, if there is no weight gain, I, I know I've mentioned sort of um, weight loss, but weight gain is normal for young people up until the sort of early 20s because the body shape is changing the whole time. You know, you, you know so one minute your son is sort of, five foot nothing and suddenly he's towering above you so this just you know the, the the body is constantly changing so if there hasn't been any weight gain for a while that's also something to watch out for so what are the behavioral symptoms well there is the obsession about body image um and you know it it's sort of is this too big is this too small is this too wide is this all those sort of things um and it's that need to um, adhere to the societal norms. So it's, is your child sort of constantly weighing themselves? Um, and, and, you know, what, what are they, are they sort of constantly, one, one young client was permanently worried that her legs were too big and she didn't have a thigh gap. I mean, yeah, I kid you not. Um, and she was a healthy young girl, but it's the persistent sort of body checking and the, sort of self-image um yes they are controlling their food intake whether or not it's too much too little um but whatever it is it's this is it's that form of control 
in um, them being able to have a handle on something. So just watch and see, as I sort of said earlier, are they controlling, you know, not, not eating the meals that you provide and saying that they insist on doing it themselves. Um, that's something to look out for. Um, again, as I said, you know, sort of sleeping a lot and um, just hiding away. Um, are they hiding the uneaten food? Um, one girl said that she was able to, um, she had sort of uh, two, always had two Weetabix at um, breakfast. But what she managed to do was sort of smear it around the plate. And when her mum wasn't looking, it either sort of went into a napkin or sort of zoomed into the bin. And um, when mum turned around, it, it sort of, you know, it, it just looked like a messy bowl that was nearly completed. So um, it's just sort of hiding all that sort of stuff. Or, or as I said about the bumper pack of crisps, it's sort of stealing food. You know, suddenly five eclairs have gone or suddenly this, the leftovers from the previous night or the extra pizzas you had in the freezer are no longer there. So where is it going? Because a lot of it, as I have said, is to do with secrecy and we need to um, be wise to that. And I as I said earlier, the reasons for all this are very, very complex. And so there are the psychological issues and it goes boils down to the low self-esteem and the low self-worth, um, maybe comparing themselves to influencers on Instagram or maybe comparing themselves to siblings or cousins or best mates or whatever in the fact that, well, they look better than I do. So it's having a very bad body image to, to begin with. But it's also the need for, for pe perfection. Um, so, you know, why aren't I... Um, why aren't I as good as the others? Or why aren't I perfect and why don't I sort of look a certain way? Um, so it's, it's, it's just trying to look at their whole perception of themselves um, and trying to break those patterns of um, self-deprecation. Um, there are also the other emotions and sort of the, the mental issues of the guilt and the shame um, that is attached to eating the wrong things or purging or, you know, sort of the, that they're not abiding by the rules. Um, the feelings of inadequacy and the, the, the panic and absolute fear. I mean, real, real palpable fear about putting on weight and about eating stuff. And it's not something that's rational. And especially when, if, if, if the eating disorder has got a hold, um, they are losing some of their sort of the clarity and the cognitive sort of functions. And so they can't think straight. And and so us sort of going, oh, now, come on, darling, you look fine. You're so pretty. You're... It doesn't blimmin' work. It doesn't cut it. So a, a lot of um, the 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 sort of associations to eating it is so so stressful if you think that it it is a primal fear um and even though it's it's so not rational but it is terribly alarming for the young person so a lot of a lot of empathy is required and i know i know that it tests the patience of a saint i get it but 
we need to step up a tiny bit. I think the thing also is to 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 acknowledge that for a lot of young people who have an indis, uh, an eating disorder, there are also underlying um, other uh, mental health issues, and that could be depression. It could be anxiety, it could be mood swings, panic attacks, anger, you name it, suicidal thoughts. There is usually something else brewing at the same time. Um, and so that is something that we also need to sort of be very, very aware of. I think the thing is, is that a lot of parents, when they find out that their child has a bad relationship with food, whether or not it's classes an eating disorder just yet or not, Parents tend to blame themselves and it was, where did I go wrong? And I failed them. And it's not, I, I think we need to park that because um, beating ourselves up about this isn't really going to help. What we need to do is draw a line in the sand and go, okay, today's the day that we're going to start making a difference and start doing something about this. Um, but what causes it, it could be a number of things. I mean, as I said at the top of the episode, um, COVID has had a lot to answer for. Now, whether or not it has actually caused the eating disorders, or which it has um, I, I, from experience and listening to clients, but also it might, it might sort of shine a light on the eating disorder that was there previously because you might be spending a lot more time under the same roof as your child. But basically, stressful events can really impact um a child's sort of mental health, anyone's mental health, but a child in particular. And when they feel out of control, they need, have that need to be able to try and control something. Um, so that's sort of worth bearing in mind. I, I have already touched on existing mental health issues. Um, a child, if a family member has also got had a history of eating disorders or addiction or substance abuse so it could be alcoholism it could be smoking drugs or whatever children in that household are more likely to um or i've got to tread carefully here are might be sort of more susceptible to eating disorders but then there's a shed load of other things that's going on as well it's the social media pressures um thankfully we are now talking about body confidence and we're now talking about body positivity and accepting of all shapes and sizes, which is not something that, you know, sort of was about sort of 10 years ago. So th th that is a positive. But still, when you're trawling through social media and seeing all these people who have filters and Photoshop themselves, it can be really disconcerting. Um, but there are other, I don't know, uh, school pressures or peer pressure. Um, from that 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 the child your child is permanently um exposing themselves to there's there's also cultural conditioning and and stuff you know which is if you go back to sort of looking at um you know our our sort of previous generations we we were meant to be the pretty little wife with the ribbon in her hair and the sort of you know the lipstick and standing there with a meal for the darling husband i mean you know, it, it was bonkers, but that's the way it used to be. And we all had to be, we were meant to look thin and lovely and pretty. And th I mean, thank God that's so changing. But there is that cultural conditioning. There is that gen generations of of programming that, that we need to unpack here. 
Um, and not only that, there's also bullying, um, abuse, anything, trauma that that has has sort of just really impacted your child's mental health. Another one is, um, and, and I sort of touched on this, is hobbies where thinness is a bonus, dare I say it, flip's sake. Um, you know, a bit like ballet or athletics um, that, you know, sort of, I, I have got clients who, you know, sort of, um, one is very sporty um, and is using that need to over-exercise and eat the right food so she is in, in tip-top condition. It's, it's a fine line and she sort of got it wrong for a while. Um, so we need to be aware of all this. Thanks, Kai. You're painting a really gloomy picture. Um, yeah, well, let, let's be realistic. It, 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 an eating disorder is not something that um, anyone would really knowingly welcome into the household. But what can you do to help your child? You know, where either of you know that they have um, an eating disorder or you suspect. Well, I tell you what, if you suspect, you need to do something damn quick. Um, and because, as I said, silence really isn't an option. Silence is dangerous um and i think the thing is is that it's it's scary for anyone and and we are hit with a whole host of emotions um it's confusing it's upsetting there's the parental and mum shame and guilt already but these feelings are real so acknowledge that don't try and brush them under the carpet um you know, likelihood is if, if there's an eating disorder in your house, whatever it is, um, emotions are running high and it is natural and understandable for you to want to take responsibility and, and blame yourself. But I encourage you not to do so. I encourage you, as I said, is to, to, to start thinking more positively and going, right, now we can do something about it. So I've got seven pointers here that um, will help you. Uh, the first one, which sometimes is the hardest, let's face it, because if you've if, if people have had their head in the sand or have been sort of trying to deny what's going on, it's a hard um, it, it's a hard nut to crack. But the first thing I ask you to do is to talk, talk to your child, open up the conversation and it will be tricky if there's that secrecy, if there's, you know, that 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 um, sort of um, idea of, well, you know, let's let's not talk about it. It might go away or let's not even acknowledge what's going on. Um, it's it's a hard conversation to open up. It's a sensitive issue, um, but it needs to be addressed because early intervention, I promise you, is the key to a much faster recovery. So talk. Whether or not it's, you know, do you know anyone who has an eating disorder or even, oh gosh, well, you know, this woman I've been following has a podcast on it or, you know, whatever it is, celebrities or, or, or um, influencers or whatever, somehow you can open up the conversation. Um, you know, I, I know sort of one child refused to eat white food um, and... People, you know, the parents have thought, oh, it's just a bit of a quirk. But actually, when you think about it, white food is potatoes and rice and bread and, you know, all those sort of things, which are, oh, right, hang on a minute, it's not just leeks, is it? No, no, no. The, it, so it's it's just talking about it and it's going, it, it's sort of finding out what's going on. What's what's going on for your child? And, and not without casting any blame, but, you know, 
teach me a bit. And that's number number two is understand. It's it's needing that need to be open minded and that need to understand what your child is going through. Um, because once you can even walk, I was going to say a mile in their shoes, a couple of steps to start off with to understand maybe what their pressures are, to understand what their fears are, to understand, you know, why it's important for them not to eat X, Y, and Z, or why they need to, why, why are you needing to eat in your room, or why are you needing, you know, help me understand, not the, actually, why Why is always a, a, a word that sounds sort of accusatory, doesn't it? So it could be more along the lines of, tell me more about that, just trying to get your child to open up. So talk so that you understand. But not only that, number three is to listen. I don't want you to feel as though you've got to solve everything immediately. It's listen and understand. And, and, and there's something called sideways listening, which is, you know, you don't have to sit sort of nose to nose. It's it's maybe take the dog for a walk. Maybe if you're, you know, if you can do some cooking or whatever together um, or go for a drive. It's sort of so that you're not facing each other, but so the conversation can flow a little bit more easily. Um, so not solving the situation immediately, but allowing your child to feel heard. Because actually when we have problems, when someone validates our feelings, it's huge. Number four, educate yourself. Bravo, hurrah, you can tick a box because, let's face it, you are educating yourself by listening to this podcast and kygram.com forward slash ed will give you um, the, the handout that's associated with this as well, so that will help. But go on to websites, go on to um, forums, um, you know, learn everything you can about eating disorders. I don't know. Maybe you've had one in your childhood or in your past and say so you know enough about it. But it's always wise to get um, more updated information because things have changed since we were younger. And let's face it, knowledge is power. Um, so it might give you a different perspective. It might give you sort of different questions to ask. It might give you a better understanding of what's going on. Um, number five, be kind. And I don't just mean to your child who's digging their heels in about eating something or not eating something. Um, you know, likelihood is you're all feeling frustrated and stressed. Don't judge your your child or yourself too harshly. Because, do you know what? Guilt doesn't work. Guilt just sort of is toxic and, and, and sort of makes us feel crap. So... Just park that and go, OK, well, we're doing the very best we can with the knowledge and the resources that we've got at the minute. And yes, arm yourself with more knowledge and arm yourself with more resources and go and be slightly more proactive and more involved and sit down with your child and find out how you can support them because they might know. They might know already. Um, number six. Yeah, avoid talking about anything about body image, about shape, about weight. You know, the thing is, is that your child has a distorted view of themselves. So regardless if you say, oh, you're beautiful or you're far too thin or whatever it is, they don't get it. They don't see it. And there's that little gremlin inside their head telling them something very, very different. And that gremlin is based on a primal fear. And 
ironic as it sounds, be it fight or flight, this fear is trying to save your child. So it, it's I know it, it doesn't sort of sound right because you're still going, well, hang on a minute, they're starving themselves to death and I've heard that eating disorders are fatal. Yes, yes. But they've got their wiring in their brain and their neurotransmitters and all that. The wiring has got its knickers in a twist and we need to understand that this needs to be unpacked gently and slowly. So talking and shaming and, well, you've really got to eat more and, you know, just sort of just eat, just eat, you've got to, is not going to work. So be aware of those sensitivities. And to be honest, for the time being, don't go and address those issues. Start building a better relationship with your child. Start gaining their trust. Start showing them that there is more to them than just being an anorexic or a bulimic or whatever it is that they are because what we tend to put on a sort of you know we, we, we tend to focus on only one thing and actually they're probably really good at maths or really brilliant at you know sort of whatever hockey or something and and all we can see is that child wasting away in front of us and it can be excruciatingly painful for all concerned but the more you steer away, for the time being, um, about sort of body and, and sort of food talk, leave that to the experts and be there to support your child. And this brings me to point seven, which is seek professional support. With eating disorders, you need to do this and you need to get a team of support. Um, early intervention, as I've said, is so, so, so important. So, if you think your child has got an eating disorder, don't wait until it gets really bad. It needs to be nipped in the bud now because otherwise you are allowing bad habits to form. So if you've just got a sort of suspicion, do something about it now and get them the support that they need. Um, it's You need a specialist team in this. Um, I am, you know, so with my clients, I, I won't take anyone um, on who isn't seeking medical support, who doesn't have, you know, sort of a number of different people um, all doing their bit. And I'll, I'll just run through a few of them. You need a GP, obviously. And some people sort of go, oh, well, no, you know, we'll be a, a GP needs to monitor um, weight fluctuations and they need to take bloods regularly just to make sure that, forgive me, but organs aren't beginning to shut down and sort of things like that. Um there is also the opportunity for community team support, and that is um, outpatient treatment. Um, there is also a situation that, you know, you might need inpatient treatment if your child is, is sort of, you know, um, severely underweight and is needing to be hospitalised. But you also need support from nutritionists for proper dietary advice because, you know, a comment from mum, eat your greens because they're good for you, ain't going to work and it ain't going to cut it. And I'm not so saying that you need to, um, you know, that the, the, the nutritionist is going to sort of talk all about calories, but there are things such as refeeding programs and you're not qualified to do, to deal with that. Um, and nor am I actually, you know, so I, I wouldn't, I, I, I am not qualified to do the medical side, hands down, great to do the psychological. So this is why you need lots and lots of different people. I mean, therapy is vital. I have, it, it, I, I really can't stress enough the need that family therapy is so much more effective than just one-to-one. -one. We need one-to-one -one as well, the psychological 
um, support. Um, but it is so important that if you know if you really want to sort of make a difference, is um, for the family to be involved as well. Why? Because if the child is just trying to deal with all of this on their own and, you know, mums sort of, or dads sort of goes, oh, do you speak to you? Oh, yes, okay. Does, were they fine? Yes, they gave you all you need to know. They don't know. The parents don't know what the underlying psychological issues are. They don't know what um, is, is needed and what support is on offer. They might not even realise that they're half of the problem. Um, you know, I, I've had situations where the, the parents have not um, wanted to get involved and, oh, no, no, just you look after her and, you know, we're, we're fine. And it just makes recovery a hell of a lot longer, it, you know. So if, if if you can have family therapy, and that could be, you know, sort of speaking to the parents um, separately from the child, you know, it, it's just, it's important is what I'm trying to say. And there is the individual, the psychotherapy as well. There is, as I said, um, refeeding program support there's body image support there's practical advice you know you might need to get the school on board as well there's so much other stuff going on um psychosocial um education is how to even you know sort of teach them teach how to sort of interact with their friends how to go back into sort of um uh, the dining hall at school lots of different stuff because for many for many, food is scary. And yes, eating disorders are scary. But whilst you weather this storm, I want you to remember that recovery is possible. Of course it is. Um, support from family and friends is crucial. But if you are looking for professional assistance, then just get in touch. Um, be it with me, be it with your GP, be it with whoever. Um, I've got a wealth of experience and training and I would love to support if you're struggling, if your child is struggling, I would love to support you on that journey. Um, we all need to know that we're cared for, don't we? We all need to know that people are there to support us. Um, and it's important to be able to trust those people. And so support your child by following some of these seven pointers um it's a scary scary place to be but um there's a wealth of information out there and people to support you um but i just ask you if you do have suspicions please don't leave it any longer grasp the nettle and sit your baby down and go come on honey we need to talk um because then it's, I'm not going to say it gets easier, but recovery becomes so much more quickly. So on that note, I'm sending you much love. KaiGraham.com forward slash ED if you want um, the handout, which has got a lot of what I've discussed in um, available at your fingertips. So sending you much love and I shall speak to you soon. Thanks so much for listening to this entire podcast. If you want to help other parents looking for support, then please share this with your friends and family. Because if you found this podcast useful, then they will too. So please share via your social media. If you have any parenting questions, then please give me a shout through my email, which is toolbox at kygraham.com. 
and I may even use your question as a future podcast episode. If you want to connect, please come and join me on Instagram. Just search for Kai Graham. Also, could you do me a favour, please? Parenting teenagers can feel very confusing and isolating at times, and I believe that it takes a village to raise a child, and we are here to support one another. I'd love it if you would leave a review on iTunes. And a good one, by the way. (laughs) Because when you do, it lets more parents out there know that there is support for them too. Thank you. And as always, this comes with much love.